Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. When I think about the, the most effective chief diversity officers I know out there, the ones that are effective, they're truly courageous and they are change agents. Anything what this, this moment is saying to us for it to be a movement, we must be willing to have the curiosity. We must be willing to say, hey, there are new things that I'm going to learn here. We must be willing to say, you know what, maybe I did it really great so far, but ah, let's start over again at a deeper level. Today, we have a special episode of Smashing the Plateau, addressing the divide we see in our communities and the world. I'm pleased to be joined by two special guests, Donna Fullerton and Jane Young. They are both experts in business transformation, and they have experiences and expertise that directly relate to the ongoing statements and questions about what matters in our world. Now let's welcome Donna Fullerton and Jane Young. Donna has decades of experience in the worlds of advertising and research, where she developed a toolkit of skills, including innovative, traditional, and communications effectiveness techniques, creative problem solving, neuro-linguistic programming, and mindset coaching. Donna applies her vast experience to elicit underlying consumer motivation and insights and to help small business owners reimagine their businesses by identifying promising opportunities and designing a strategic action plan to support business development. Jane Yun advises leaders and organizations on leveraging diversity and culture to drive high performance and innovation. Drawing on 25 years of experience navigating change in high-stakes business environments, her clients have included over 200 corporations, conferences, and universities, including PepsiCo, eBay, and ESPN. Her insights appear in CNN, Harvard Business Review, CNBC, The Wall Street Journal, and NPR. She is a top 50 Marshall Goldsmith leading global coach. Donna and Jane, welcome to the show. Hi, David. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thanks, David. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure. So we're doing a special episode here where we're going to talk about what is going on in our world today. And um, clearly there's a lot of turbulence. There are a lot of, a lot of changes going on. There are crises in, in a number of different areas of our environment. And, um, and I'd love to actually start off by hearing a little bit about your own personal perspectives of where we are today, um, both in terms of how it may impact business and how you feel about it personally. And Donna, why don't you start? Well, thanks, David. Um, really appreciate this, the opportunity to talk about this. You know, the thing that's very different about this time around is that many companies are trying to step up to the plate on some level and trying to show a kind of affiliation and understanding of what's going on. So I feel like that is a very important step that companies are making, large and small companies. The key thing, however, is the importance of being authentic in that. You know, so as we have seen with the information that's spreading, companies that are being disingenuous are being clearly marked as such. So on the one hand, if you're doing something that seems to be in line with the movement, so to speak, and trying to really make a difference, you must be doing it in a consistent way so that your policy is reflected as well. 
So it just can't be a statement anymore or a symbolic statement. That's what I'm Right. And um, is there anything about your own personal experience that you also want to reflect on? Yeah, you know, I, I just kind of, it, what's been going on is kind of bringing back to mind when I first started my work. And as a Black woman in the field I was in, many people immediately wanted to say, well, you can just do Black groups, you know, Black focus groups or interviews. That's really, again, looking at the external and thinking, that's the only thing that you can place you can work in. What I had, though, was I had such vast experience in other areas that I was able to have a much more a diverse community that I was able to do work with. And I was it was it was something that was I was able to do pretty easily. So that's something it just goes to show you, right? The way you look and the way you are in a room immediately you're pegged as one thing or another. And I think that that experience is exactly what's been the ongoing experience that has made this a very systemic race relations, the whole systemic nature of it. Because the way I show up is the way people are immediately interpreting what I can deliver and what I can do. So that's one of the things that was my first, when I first started the business, that was one of the things that was a key variable on how I was seen. Yeah, I think that's an important perspective for people to hear. And Jane, how about you? What's What's been your reaction to what's going on um, and how are you seeing things? Yeah, and, and Don, thank you for sharing your story. I really, I really heard you and it's um, interesting to hear our, how our experiences have shaped who we are and, and how we do our work. Um, I would say, I think we're all sort of um, kind of been dealing with the challenges of um, the whole COVID situation, right? We're all locked down, work, a lot of us working from home. What I've been, it's just been so interesting to me over the last few months, I've, I'm sure many of you have heard about the rise in anti-Asian bias, both kind of subtle and not so subtle, um, and even acts of violence that have been going out there. And so for me, it's been an interesting time of navigating as an Asian American, as a Korean American who've lived in Korea and grew up in the U.S., sort of how how we're sort of still considered uh, the foreigner or kind of this outsider perspective. What's been also interesting to me, so on the heels of COVID and all this, all the violence um, that's been happening, you know, the protests, right, George Floyd protests. And I've also been interestingly observing how diverse the folks who are out there supporting the Black community and, and what's going on. So it's been a an interesting time for myself personally and for the business I'm in as well. And I tell you, as as someone who has, I have a father who is sort of grappling with all this as well and explaining to him, you know, what Black Lives Matter really means and translating it for him in, in words that he can understand. And uh, the most widely used Korean translation for Black Lives Matter is actually Black Lives Are Precious. Black Lives Are Precious. And that actually carries a lot more weight in the in the Korean than just Black Lives Matter. And so just really kind of seeing the importance of putting things in context for the people that were that are around us in our community, and so those are the kind of ways that uh, that I've been impacted, and um, and making sense of this all as we work with our clients, but also with our families and communities too. Yeah, Jane, I'm really struck by what you said about the translation into Korean because I know that every translation also has an interpretation that's part of it because two languages are not totally alike. And so when you're trying to find a word that will fit in another language, um, there's usually some kind of interpretation that goes with it. And I think what you just shared is actually quite powerful and something that I think a lot of people can can take away an important point about the preciousness of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I appreciate that. And I think it made a lot more sense for my dad too, you know, when we explained it that way. So, yeah, I, I remember earlier when you, when Jane shared that with me as well, it was just, it was so touching because that is exactly what it is that black people, consumers, whatever, human beings want to be viewed as precious. Um, I, I was very touched by it as well, for sure. Yeah. I'm also curious to know what you're both seeing and hearing in the communities in which you're involved, both personally and the business communities and business networks. And Jane, why don't you start? Sure, happy to. I think what I've been seeing is, because I work with organizations and I've been getting some of these requests, as well as I have peers who are getting a lot of these requests, are you know CEOs or heads of organizations wanting to do something. You know, and it usually means something like a statement they want to put out or a memo condemning Black Lives Matter, you know, something that is uh, visible and, and um, something they can communicate, you know. So that's happening around the world. People are blocking out their Instagram screens. There are actions being taken. And I think people springing to action is, is a positive thing that comes out of this and the memos are being written. I just wonder and, and I think about how authentic are the letters they're writing in comparison to what's going on in the organization. And so I think those are the kind of questions that I'm asking. Yes, the momentum has started and uh, they're seeing the impact and the importance of diversity and inclusion in the organization and also in how they deal with their customers. But how does this all uh, play out? So those are the kind of questions that I have as we move, move forward and uh, think about sustaining some of the efforts that have been started. You know, it's funny when I see these letters from uh, companies on their homepages, I've had the same reaction to many of them. I'm wondering how authentic are these letters really? And there's, there's some companies when I see the letters, I'm like, <laughs> oh, it, it like totally makes sense. I know it's in alignment with the corporate values. And, and it's, I find it really reassuring to see the letters. And then there are other companies I feel like, well, maybe they feel like they have to because everybody else is doing it. Right, right. It's hard not to feel that or, or think that. Is it their PR person putting this together and you're just signing it? Or does it really mean something? I think, you know, employees will know right away, right? <laughs> Whether or not the CEO or a senior executive putting that out there, uh, if that's truly real, if that comes from a place of genuineness that comes from the heart. And I've actually been more moved by statements that are more vulnerable. And I would be moved more by, you know, someone saying like, hey, we're not where we need to be uh, with this. And we're new to this, you know, and, uh, but that does not take away from our commitment to be better in the years to come or, you know, something that kind of came from a place of genuineness. So, so that's, th those are the questions I'm thinking about and asking as we continue to do this work. Yeah. Donna, what are you seeing in your, your networks, your community, the business side, personal side? I think the thing that I could, if I were to sum it up in a phrase, there's a kind of painful optimism. It's a painfully ins inspirational time because there have been many of these moments. And I think that the community of Black people is wondering whether this is going to continue. There are so many pieces of it that speak to and belie that this is going to continue because it's not just a national thing. It's not just a five-day thing. It's not just a global thing. It's an everything. And so it, the wave of it is definitely touching Black people in a way that makes them feel maybe this time. I heard somebody, the metaphor was like, you know, maybe finally this 
prayer that's gone on for 400 or so years has reached and it's like the back signal and now there's the response and there's this kind of it's an optimism but but painful because it brings to mind what has been going on for so many centuries and especially with the rapidity now that has been just un, unparalleled what's intriguing to kind of like bring that along is that, you know, I recently did a research study. The focus of the study was on the pandemic. So the pandemic has brought more and more companies into going back to what you were saying, David, more and more companies are feeling they must say something, right? They have to send something out. They send out these letters and and all of this. Consumers, though, are very sensitized now to what's being sent out and are holding companies accountable. So now just layer on top of that, now your Black Lives Matter on everything. The, The degree of scrutiny has already been heightened by the pandemic is going to continue to be heightened as the focus is on them. So they can't make a mistake. However, I will say that one of the things that is a very important part is that companies, as Jane was saying, need to be willing that they may make a mistake, yet they need to not defend it. They need to really say, you know, as Jane was saying, we could do better. Let's learn more. Let's discuss more. Let's understand more. Let's listen more. The the word that is going on and the the sentiment that's being expressed is the need to listen. And I think that if companies really start to listen, and this means across the entire spectrum, whether you're a small company or a large company, and given the fact that small businesses are the growing, still, that's where most of the employment is going, right? We need to listen to what our customers have to say. We need to listen so that we can have a broader customer base that we can appeal to. So I think that the listening piece is a, is a new element that needs to be part of the fabric of every company, large or small. And consumers are holding them up to account on this, without question. So, so let's actually talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned small businesses. Let's talk about the influence that business leaders have on our world and the kind of impact they can have on what's going on and whether this ends up being just a moment in history that comes and then disappears or whether this actually is a movement and we will see positive change in interaction and behavior. What role do you think that business leaders and I'm going to I'm going to frame business leaders broadly. Let's look at business leaders both as people that run their own companies and those that may have an influence on other companies, particularly consultants. Consultants often have a, a role where they can they're sort of like the the guru sitting on the shoulder of the of the inside influencer in the company. So I'm wondering what perspective you may both have about roles that corporate leaders can have, no matter what size the business is, or perhaps consultants that have some influence over how businesses are reacting and behaving in light of all of what we're seeing in our world. So I can start that off. Go ahead, Jane. Yeah. I think the one thing I would say is, especially in this moment in time, I don't think good intentions are enough, right? Good thoughts or or uh, good wishes, uh, writing a letter or memo. I, I I do think action needs to be taken. 
And I think very specifically, there are a couple of um, questions that I would that I would bring up here. What a small organization or a consultant or even a large organization who is listening to this may want to be asking themselves is, do you have diversity and inclusion as an explicitly stated goal and a driver for your business success? And if not, how could that what could that look like? Um, is there visible evidence of some aspect of diversity in the organization? Uh, or if it's a small organization, how about your customers, your suppliers, and the way you work with others? How are you working with them? How are you reaching a diverse customer base? How do you care for your employees? How do you work with your employees if you have them? Do you have concrete ways that you can use to demonstrate um, how you will do business across these differences? Is there anything you need to do differently? What are your hiring practices like? So, I mean, those are just a few questions uh, that translate into action. Those are very specific, uh, concrete things you can do. Uh, and I think at a very simple level, it could be as simple as, you know, who's who are the people in your inner circle? Do you have people all who are like you? And I think this is a question we three need to ask ourselves too. Are they more like you in the racially, culturally, age, you know, gender, uh, and in the way they think, or is it more diverse? And if it's not as diverse as you'd like it to be, what's who's missing? You know, I think that's uh, a big part of this question: who's missing from the table, and how do you bring that perspective in? Donna, what thoughts do you have about it? Yeah, I I agree with what Jane said. You know, I was struck recently by the Reddit board chairman Ohanian who stepped down from the his, uh, the position on the board and said he'd like to be replaced by a black executive and that's a big step right for some people it may seem quite well you mean just it, somebody actually said to me you mean just any black person which immediately says that they're thinking oh we're just going to fill a quota but that's not the fact the fact is that there are many talented, smart, brilliant black minds that are kept away from the table. And we can we can expand that to all classes and races of people. So it's not this is not uh, an act of, um, oh, yeah, let's just replace with a black person, but a smart black person who is just as capable. So it's about a willingness for companies to see that they need to understand how to include as Jane is pointing out, how to have many different cultures and experiences at the table. One of the things I have been recommending is almost like get to know the person other than just, well, you know, you see them, you work with them, get to know their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been struck by I love that. How right? How the stories of people are touching people. Because if you tell somebody the kinds of experiences you've had, you're on Broadway or something, or you are in this particular capacity, and you've had this experience, and it's because of your skin, then they will see, oh my gosh, I did not know that about you. I've worked with you for years. I've gone, we've socialized but I didn't know that. So I think it's important to, for all of us to ask some questions. What has it been like for you living in that body, in that, in that life as you have been? So I think the curiosity to get to know people on that next level, not just the surface level. And I think that one of the things that we as small business owners, I saw when I started my business is that your life is no longer your business life and your personal life. There's a great deal of more of a, what I call uh, like a, a wholeness 
to your life. So you do business, but you also do it within a context of your whole life. When you're in a corporate environment, you have your business friends and you have your this. When it's your business, it's much more personal. It's an opportunity for small businesses to really become personal with the people that they work with, the people that they they, they have as vendors, all of these people, and to have as much diversity as possible. And I think Jane is the perfect person for for companies to be working with in order to improve that quotient. Uh, that I, I'm going to use it like the emotional quotient that has us be culturally kind of navigating this world in a, a culturally important way. So that that's how that looks to me for sure. So Donna, are you are you suggesting that small businesses have an opportunity to improve diversity in our world in a way that larger businesses may have a harder time doing? I think so because smaller companies tend to be more nimble right? We are able to make changes probably faster than larger companies. There's a whole structure that's been baked into corporations in much the same way as we can see in the police department, for example. They're finding local police forces have been able to make these changes on a local level because, and have seen the impact of making the changes. When you go to the, 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 like the federal level, which of course we do need federal um, support. When you go to the federal level, there's all of these things that what's going on in Congress right now to get the approval on, what is it? The immunity act that, that police officers can't be immune. It is immunity act, right? It's going through this parsing of all of these different people who have their hands in the pie. So yes, smaller businesses are more capable of having uh, of making the shift. And I think there's a shift that needs to happen. And I think smaller businesses are much more. We are ready as small businesses, always open to new ways of doing things. We have to. So this is another thing to kind of incorporate and layer into the cake of our businesses. So. I think so. So I want to ask the two of you a question about how mm-hmm. to plan to make some changes. If, if as a business leader, you decide that diversity and inclusion is a value that you hold and you want to make improvements in the way diversity and inclusion plays out in your environment, plans are made based on what we know that we know and what we know that we don't know. The biggest challenge is always what we don't know that we don't know. So when it comes to mm-hmm. something like diversity and inclusion, we have seen in, in what the events that have been going on around us recently that there's an awful lot that many of us don't know that we don't know. So if you're in a leadership role or an influencer role in a business, how do you tap into what you need in order to be able to make realistic changes with regard to diversity and inclusion in the areas where you don't know what you don't know? Where, where do you go for resources? Where do you go for help? What are some of the things that you have both seen that work and can help move the ball forward? Go ahead, Jane. Yeah. So David and Donna, I think, Donna, all the stuff you shared is resonating so strongly. And, um, you know, this work is hard, right? So there's, uh, there's a, a sea wave of, of, of folks who want to do it and have been motivated to look at themselves personally and also for their organizations. But developing culturally fluent leaders, which is kind of the mission of what I do um, for organizations, it actually comes and and happens over time. 
it has to be working within the context of kind of this learning environment where you realize, you know what, I've lived a certain number of years in my life, but I still need to learn skills. And I don't know how to do this. And I don't know exactly know how to navigate some of the cultural and racial differences that I'm observing and uh, really know how to communicate effectively across those differences. And um, I want to improve and I want to get there. So it has to be some element of assess, right? So that external assessment part where you can get an objective view and then equip yourself uh, with skills, you know, new knowledge, uh, insights about um, how to increase your cultural self-awareness as well as increase other awareness as well. And then as you move through that process, you know, what are you going to transform, right? Uh, is it something about your leadership style and, and the way you see things? Uh, is it the way you do business? Uh, is it the way you relate to others and see, it, see them from a broader lens? And then certainly within, if you have an organization that has a system or a process or, or uh, structure, what are you going to do to ensure that those systems are also inclusive as well? So I think that could work from an individual level, but also on a, on a systemic level. So how, doing that assessment, right, work uh, up front to know how you're doing, where are you? And then skills building, kind of ongoing skills building, because that never ends. And um, at some point, applying that to uh, a process, uh, the way you do work and um, transforming something. So out of that, you get something different. And so there's, there's a lot of um, potential for innovation, too. There's a lot of potential for uh, new ways to leverage some of the products and services that you provide. Right. So it's not one and done. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> far from it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you got it. I mean, that's that's really the key here. It's not one and done. It's not a three month campaign. You know, it's not a one week campaign. <laughs> uh, it, it is really about transformation. That's why I think it takes courage to to do this work. You know, so when I think about the the most effective chief diversity officers I know out there, uh, the ones that are effective, they're truly courageous and they are change agents. You know. And I only support them from the outside, right? So I'm not always in the organizations doing that. They are, they are truly paving the way uh, in many ways and driving that change. So I would say uh, those, are, those are my thoughts. And Donna, what do you want to add to that? Yeah, I love the process that you just described, Jane. And I would add the aspect of accepting that we all have bias. You know, I think the shifting the mindset to really just say, you know what? I am biased in my own way. It's not something that people like to accept, but when we do that, we can actually start from a clean slate. You know, I I think about every time I run a brainstorming session or creative ideation session, the first thing I do is I always say, let's remember that in this room, in this place, in this time, there's no bad ideas. There are no bad ideas. They're only ideas that can be built on and improved on. So, to be and to declare and to know, okay, that's an ingoing thing. I have bias. The second part of that is, and this is something that I think is so, when, when we can do that, then we can listen newly. We don't have to stay so stuck in that, well, you know, I've been a, I've been a liberal, right? I'm a liberal. I'm a this, I'm a that. When we do that, then we start to be kind of like we're, in, we're kind of stuck in that place. And then we can't hear anything new. And if anything, what this this moment is saying to us, for it to be a movement, we must be willing to have the curiosity. We must be willing to say, hey, there are new things that I'm going to learn here. We must be willing to say, you know what, maybe I did it really great so far, but ah, let's, let's start over again 
at a deeper level. So I feel like that's the mindset that needs to be in any room, boardrooms, meeting rooms, any rooms at all where we're dealing with these issues to make the change. This is something that I think is going to be a critical part of the equation. Thank you for that, Donna. Um, So if what we're seeing today actually leads to real transformation and it actually is a movement, I'd love to hear what your dream is for where this can take us. You always ask the hard questions. I know, that's a a powerful. You know, I'll, I'll start off because it dawned on me that, you know, when Obama was the president, there was this whole notion of a post-racial society, right? But really, it's about celebrating all of us as part of the society that we have created. And I, my dream is that such equality exists, right? That you can go in as a small business owner in a small, you know, whether people of color, whether you're white, whatever, and you, you can go to the bank or you can go to any place and you are treated equally, not, not based on the color of your skin. The equality piece, I think, is something that I think would be an amazing and incredible dream that we can all come to the table and know that we are treated equally. So much would be possible then, so much creativity then. You don't have to hide parts of yourself. You know, I think of all the things you have to hold back when you're of a particular race because you don't want to rock the boat. Imagine when that's not a piece of the puzzle of, you can be more creative then. You can be more expressive. You can actually make differences in companies. You can actually like um, take companies to new levels. So I think that equality aspect would be an amazing, amazing fulfillment on a dream. Yeah. Martin Luther King's dream. <laughs> there you go. All of the dreams. <laughs> yeah, w- what well am I going to say to that, right? I can't, I can't beat that, right? <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to just echo that. That's awesome. Uh, the only thing I, I can picture when you said dream, what do we see in the future is really everybody being able to reach their fullest potential in their workplaces and their community and not just sort of reach it, but, you know, really flourish and uh, do what they're born to do and what they're called to do and without uh, the barriers uh, that keep us from really connecting with each other. So that would be, that would be an awesome utopia (laughs) or a heaven or a a providence of some sort. Here, here. Yeah. um, I agree. This has been a really great discussion and I, um, I'm really touched that the two of you have joined me today on on this special episode to talk about how we can really transform our world through through our business efforts. And what I love about what you both pointed out is that all of us in the business community have an important role to play and that the actions that we take um, do have the potential to lead to real change in our in our own businesses, in the businesses that we work with, with our clients, our customers, our employees, and our communities. So I want to thank you, uh, really from the bottom of my heart, both of you, Donna and Jane, for uh, for coming on Smashing the Plateau today. If someone wants to go deeper with anything that we've talked about or access any resources around the subjects that we've discussed, where would be the best place to go? So for you, Donna, where where can they learn more? 
I would say the first place that I would consider, and I know this is going to, it's to educate ourselves, right? So one of the one of the resources that really helped me see the the how things have evolved to where they are now is a documentary called Thirteen. And I think that it's a very powerful documentary because it paints a picture. So we can step into the shoes. We can actually step into what the experience has been like and how it became systemic. I think when we understand that, we can say, ah, yes, that is so. And we can then see how we can break a break those, I guess, those bonds. That's the thing that's been most impactful for me to kind of create this new paradigm, like this shift that it's no longer such a to really stem the systemic tide, so to speak. So that would be something I would absolutely recommend. And then, of course, I would recommend Jane's work. But um, Jane. Well, we'll get to that. But um, is, is yeah. there, a, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, Donna, where is the yeah. best place to go to learn more about you and get in touch? Okay, so to get in touch with me, you would have to just my email address. I, that would be really first step. Would be D as in Donna, D F period, D-M-F-C-O-M-I-N-C at gmail.com. And my company website is dmfcomic.com. And we will put these in the show notes. Yes, that's what I figured. And and Jane, for you, if uh, someone wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed, um, access any resources you have or get in touch, where would they go? Sure. Uh, They can go to my website and I'll give you my email as well. Uh, my website is hyunassociates.com. I'll spell that H-Y-U-N as in Nancy, A-S-S-O-C-I-A-T-E-S.com. And my email is jhyun, so J-H-Y-U-N at hyunassociates.com. And I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn as well if people want to connect that way. Good. Um, well, Donna and Jane, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smashing the Plateau. My guests have been Consumer Insights and Business Innovation Specialist, Donna Fullerton, and Global Leadership Strategist, Jane Yun. Thank you again, Donna and Jane, for joining us. Thank you, David. It was awesome. Thank you, David. I want to just thank you for opening your podcast to this special special episode, really looking at the times we're in yeah. and making a difference. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's a really important topic. Very special to to be on your show again in this way. Thank you, David. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned what you can do as business leaders and influencers to foster real transformation and much more. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.